What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Music Corner Rift 808. I'm Nate. I'm Sebastian. And it's a dynamic duo once again here. Uh, Trent is busy this week, but uh, fortunately for him, he's not missing anything. Because holy shit, is this quite possibly the worst week here on the Music Corner Rift 808s? Like, wouldn't you agree, Sebastian? Uh, as a collective, yes. It's it was rough. It was very rough. And I thought the week that we had uh it was like what water parks and uh there's another bad one that week. But I remember it was like water parks was there and we had that Zao metalcore band and a few others too. That one was, was it uh was it BB Rexa? Um I, I could be wrong here, but that nah, was a pretty that, bad week. I, yeah, that w- that one was a rough week too, but uh I don't think that was the same week. But like I mean, water parks alone was pretty rough anyway, and that even made my so far top five worst albums of the year. So what are you going to do? But no, we got we got a rough week this week, but nevertheless, we're going to talk about it still, starting with Cloud Nothing's The Shadow I Remember. And Sebastian, go ahead and start us off. So I did not take any notes for this one, but I have a pretty good uh, list of things I'm going to say. I actually listened to this one this morning right before we start recording, mm. and uh, I'm just going to say this is, without a doubt, the revival of Johnny Ramone. Um, not in a good way, though. It's like they kind of went half and half when they revived him. They said, okay, we're going to bring back his presence, but we're not going to let his vocals come back to where they were. And I'm not saying he was a tremendous vocalist. He was a punk vocalist back in the 70s and 80s. You know, it doesn't have much, uh, much flair to it, but it's very stylistic to say the least. But with this, it's like if you take that style and just over vamp it to the point where it's just so obnoxious. It's, it's like a category of punk I like to say is like only good when you're in like a college basement. You know, it's accurate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I really, I really do not like the quote unquote rawness of this album. I think the, I think the singer just needs to work on his vocals quite a bit. And I hate saying that because it makes me sound very pretentious. But (laughs) in this case, it was just very hard to get through. And I made a vow to myself to get through as much the albums as I can. If I don't have time or something like I did last week with Slater. You know, that's a little bit of a different story. But this, it was very, very hard for me to get through this whole album without just without just turning it off and listening to something better. Like, honestly, this album has some of the most whiny vocals I have ever heard. And, you know, if artists do that from time to time, it's whatever. You know, I, I get it's supposed to it's supposed to be like the angstiness and like, you know, middle finger to your parents because they said you can't go hang out with your friends because you got bad grades. But like this honestly is too angst five me. I'm putting it in that realm because <laughs> like there is no way that someone could naturally sound like this. There's just no fucking way. Like this is just someone watching a bunch of punk artists and then trying his best to sound exactly like all of them at once. And I, I really, I really don't have much to say other than that. The guitar work. I mean, if you've heard punk, 
you know it's not very uh not very good in the guitar aspect because they use use fucking power chords and yeah they can do different things with them you know i'm a huge green day fan and i know all half of their songs sound exactly the fucking same you know i'm okay with that because it's it's green day in my you know and that's that's what i vibe with but with this there's just nothing redeemable the lyrics all of them are just so angsty and i i barely want to put specific examples because if you've heard it all you've heard it be or once you've heard one punk band you've heard this at one point like honestly i would say this is like the first mxpx album like it just i i'm sorry i keep comparing it but when you try to become something you're gonna get compared to others very quickly and uh yeah this one this one's a big old one out of ten for me i uh, i just I don't know if this is going to make the top five least favorites of the year because honestly, I'm forgetting about it even though I already listened to it this morning. So, yeah, I I just, I don't know. It might make the top five, it might not. But yeah, this this one's pretty shitty. It is. Yeah, I was very, I was not pleased with this at all. Uh, one thing I'm just learning about now, though, <laughs> is they're from Cleveland. So... There's that aspect to them now, uh, a local a local band not really uh doing their hometown any justice, I would say on this release at least. It looks like they were actually kind of popular when they first started though in that realm of like you know, post hardcore noise rocky emo indie rock whatever the fuck bullshit. Um, I mean they even charted in like the Billboard 200, going as high as. 50 for their here and nowhere else release but um i don't know maybe like he sounded better i'm kind of curious and i might do that for like one of my album a day things here too but i don't mind the style of music in terms of the genre like i love a lot of bands that have come out of this genre like title fight uh bounce and composure uh, Tiger's Jaw that we talked about not too long ago. They're not too bad. Um, one that I recently listened to for album a day, uh, Basement. Like, that style I love. And even instrumentally, this band does that pretty well on this album. But, um, then there's the vocals. And holy fuck are they bad. So, Sebastian, uh, who, who is it again that you compared him to the, the first time? Oh, uh, Johnny Ramone. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Ramone. Okay, and like, yeah, and when you said that, I'm like, okay, I get it. For me, though, for me, it just sounded like shitty Nirvana, like a shittier Kurt Cobain. And, like, yes, Kurt Cobain didn't have the best voice as it was, but it was still good, and it still fit with their style of music. And not to say that this doesn't, it's just that it's so bad that, like you were saying, like the whole rawness of it, it, it doesn't work at all i think nothing without you the second song on there was actually the most enjoyable one mainly because i don't really recall there being too many bad parts in his vocals and um like his screaming style wasn't bad like it suited the music perfectly if his screaming was the only thing on this you know with maybe like a very lower tone kind of voice singing style like this you know in rhythm of course but like if it was like that this would have been better but it just sounds whiny and choppy and 
unenjoyable overall. And I'm pretty sure Nothing Without You was also the only one that had the female vocalist. The only time the female vocalist was there. I don't know who that was, though, in the band. But... Yeah, that was there, and I thought that was cool. It was it was a nice inclusion to the song, at least. But after Nothing Without You, there's nothing. <laughs> Literally, there's nothing <laughs> on the rest of this album. It, it's not even a long album, either. It's only 32 minutes, but my God, was that just a, a drag of a time, dude. Holy shit. Um, so at the end of the day, I gave it a 4.5 out of 10. Uh, I know it seems kind of high from uh, the bashing that we're doing, but I truly enjoyed the instrumentals. I really did. And like I said, even the screaming style of vocals were fine. But if if he had just improved his actual singing vocal style, mwah, it would have been fine. It would have been almost, you know, an eight, I would say. But nah, not on this one. Not on this one. So... Moving along now, we have a new album from Wrist Meat Razor, Replica of a Strange Love. So this album was the only one this week that I thoroughly enjoyed. And um, I have known about this band since their debut album, Misery Never Forgets, came out in 2019. A very average release, I would say. It was pretty short, if I recall, and uh, his vocals were definitely... uh, not the best, you know, and even on this one, they still aren't the best at all singing wise, but screaming has always been fine. And I think this one had a a bit more screaming to it than that last one, or at least a longer amount of time that unclean vocals were present on the album. And I mean, yeah, this one was like, it it was pretty enjoyable for me. It has a really nice old school, early to mid two thousands MySpace era of metalcore. I think that's the best way to put it. I don't really think there's another way I could put it, other than giving it a modern spin, you know. But like, I don't remember the exact songs on there because I didn't save it and it's easily forgettable. But like, he does this just weird singing style that's almost reminiscent to Motionless and White with this like industrial instrumentals going on in the background and like you know it's that's fine but like I said his singing voice is not good at all and I'm really glad it's not full of it on this album Uh, maybe Cloud Nothing should take note on that when they have a bad singing style (laughs) you know (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But uh, apples and oranges comparison, uh, since this is metal and everything, or post-whatever-the-fuck-you-want-to-call-it. But I liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Saved almost the entire album. Uh, Some good songs on here include Last Tango in Paris, which features uh, Isaac Hale of Knocked Loose, one of the biggest hardcore bands out there today. Uh, other ones I liked are Distress Entwined, which is the opening track, Anemic, Eyes of Sulfide, and uh, A Fractured Dovetail Romance. As you can see here, too, some of these uh, song titles are really reminiscent to those early to mid-2000s metalcore vibes. So, yeah, at the end of the day, 8 out of 10, only album I was really pleased with this week. Um, not saying too, too much, but, like, still, I mean, it's not going to make an honorable mention, I don't think, but it's good to note that, hey, this is a good album to go to if you need some metalcore. So, yeah, Sebastian. So, 
Uh, I'm a little bit different on the spectrum of this than Nate. This isn't the worst album I've ever listened to. It's just I was not a big fan of the vocals with this one. Uh, definitely leagues above Cloud Nothings. Yeah. You know, it, this is like, this is way better. Like, if you were to uh, compare the two vocally speaking, this is like someone who's actually improving over the years. Uh, I listened to a couple of the older songs and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this band doesn't have bad tracks, you know. It's just like, for me, it's just... Uh, a little too angsty at times like i it's really hard for me to get into like some of the more emo side of rock you know of course everybody loves mcr and stuff like that but i never really went uh the closest thing i ever got was when i had a brief spur of liking one song by black veil brides Wait, so, it, like, was it, was it was... uh was it in the end no it was actually knives and pens oh shit okay not at all i was expecting yeah, I like that one because, uh, yeah, that one's just, uh, I, I think that one's, like, closer to more of, like, a, a metalcore style and, like, they actually do some screaming and it's not, like, to uh, your parents suck and um, I'm here for you kind of vibe. But the so music, I, I, music video sure is. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, you can't complete an emo music video without empty fields or, like, a, uh, what you call empty corridor. But, Literally. um... Yeah, this one, Wrist Meets Razor, uh, the screaming is not my favorite. Uh, it's just more of the mixing. I don't think the screaming is actually, like, bad. It's just, like, I feel like some of the times it was a little bit lost within the fuzz uh, around it. You know, I, I, with me, I like screaming that doesn't have a lot of processing to it other than compression because I, that's something you need to do with screaming, uh, you know, I just don't like adding distortion to someone distorting their vocals. That's just me, though. You know, uh, I, I didn't really take points off for that. But, um, yeah, Love Labor's loss was kind of the point where I kind of zoned out and just kind of, like, did other things while listening to the album instead of just sitting down and listening to it. So, I, I had a... I, I just really didn't vibe with the rest of it. Um, it was just a little bit too generic in my book. I didn't really have anything uh, too crazy to say on either end. I'm going to actually change the score up a bit just because I am looking back a little bit more on these notes and I realize there's a little bit more good than bad. I'm putting this one at a 5 out of 10, to say the least. I'm not trying to keep it too short, but at the same time, if I'm not really getting too much here that is offered musically, I don't really have much to say. So I just, I'm gonna leave it at five out of ten. There you go, understandable. All right, moving along, we got the Weather Stations album "Ignorance." Sebastian, go ahead. So when it comes to art pop, whenever it comes to jazz fusion, uh, no, I'm I'm saying this is jazz fused with art pop. This is not a jazz fusion as a genre. There are a lot of jazz cats out there that I know personally that will insult me every time I say <laughs> jazz fusion, and I don't mean actual jazz fusion. So, sorry all of you saxophone fedora-wearing people. Uh, you know, I just, I love jazz, and I love when it is incorporated into genres that don't necessarily use the complex rhythm and melodies and timing of jazz. And uh, one thing I would like to say is I love the vocalist. She reminds me a lot of Florence from Florence and the Machine. 
uh you know she has a very nice well-rounded tone and i was even uh syncing up my vocals i'm like man she's got a really low alto voice like some of it was like lower stuff in my range and i'm a natural bass when i sing so like it's like yeah i was like wow this is actually pretty low on the female range uh, spectrum here i was really surprised with that um the saxophone that was in the background for a lot of it it gave me a lot of uh coltrane vibes i really like the subtleness of it and just how well it really spoke with the rhythm and those two kind of um just kind of intertwined i thought that was a really cool aspect because you never really hear a saxophone following the drums as much uh, i thought that was really cool uh that you know the percussion itself was very swingy had a lot of nice uh build up to bigger parts of the songs and honestly if this were just an instrumental album i probably would have liked it even more um but the vocals you know like i said are very good but same time not too much to say uh i really was vibing with it but i really didn't didn't really go with the messages too much it didn't really do much for me there but same time i thought this was definitely a really well-rounded piece and definitely the best for me this week honestly it had the most artistic integrity it had uh just a lot of it had just a lot of good feeling to it and it wasn't too uh shadowed by anything that i didn't like and honestly the things i didn't like too much were just uh just like i said the simplicity of the lyrics and then just some of the um some of the songs being a little bit too slow at times i know nate you were talking about that mm -hmm. just uh that part i i do agree with that point i was just doing some handy work at my job and uh, i had this album in the background so you know i was trying my best to take notes in the process but i didn't really get much um so yeah needless to say mm -hmm. i'm gonna stick with a nice eight out of ten on this one if it had just a little bit more where it lacked this could have easily been another 10 out of 10 for me this year. But for what we got, honestly, out of this dumpster fire of a week, this was pretty good. Yeah. Um, compare Now, of course, this is the point uh, in, you know, my portions, uh, my reviews, I guess, of this episode where everything else is not going to be a solid rating. I'm pretty sure the highest one at this point is going to be a six, which we'll get to later. But um, compared with that in mind, this one wasn't as bad as everything else for me. Uh, instrumentally, it was there. I thought it was very chill, very nice, very soothing. And her vocals were at first as well. Her vocals were soothing as well. Until it just got to the point for me where it just started to get very boring, and then the album was getting boring in general, and I just wasn't having it, you know? It just, you know, I just let it play out and let it pass and kind of zoned out at times even, too. But I still finished it. Um, it's not the worst thing ever. I see that it's even highly critically acclaimed at the moment, too. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think it's just a style that's not always for me. Uh, and if it is for me, I just have a specific way that I prefer it, you know? But, 
yeah, I mean, after that, I really don't have a lot else to say about this album. I guess Robber, the opening track, was decent, you know, for me. Like, I was kind of liking it. But, um, yeah, other than the instrumentals, there's nothing there for me at all. I gave it a 5.5 out of 10, um, and that's that's it, really. There's really not else to say. Sorry to keep it short and sweet, but that's just how it's going to be for this one. But uh, never fear, because we have some more albums to come. But before we do, let's have a word from our sponsor. And we are back. Hopping into it now with the new Atreyu album, Baptize. <sighs> okay. So, Atreyu is a metalcore band that, for the past, had had a uh, good reputation in the scene, from what I've heard and everything. Uh, I think their later albums started to get a little bit, uh, you know, less attention, perhaps. I mean, I just never really hear people talking about it, especially their last album, In Our Wake. Uh, I never really listened to the band until now, and I still want to listen to their older stuff just because I know it's OG, mid-2000s, early-2000s metalcore, kind of like Wrist Meat Razor. Um, But if this album isn't the most heavier version of Imagine Dragons that I've ever heard, I don't know what is, because holy fuck, this album radiated that kind of energy. And I'm... I, I was just shocked because I thought it, I, I knew it was going to be like different just because this album is also the first one that they don't have their original screaming vocalist on. Um, and it was replaced. He was replaced by their bassist, actually, along with uh, their other who's that the drummer. Yeah, the drummer's also doing vocals, but he's done it, too, in the past. So the bassist kind of took over main vocals, unclean vocals, even. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's that aspect to it, and I don't know if that's what made this album as shitty as it was, but my god, was it bad. There were a couple moments that were fine, like, you know, a couple good breakdowns here and there, because it's still kind of metalcore, but, like, I don't know, there just seems to be this weird Christian radiation thing that's coming off it, considering the name is Baptize, and I don't think the band was known to be a Christian band whatsoever, um, unless I just am missing that whole aspect to them, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, I mean, there's some good uh, acts that, like, used to be known as, like, Christian metalcore bands, like As I Lay Dying, August Burns Red, Under Oath, but Atreyu here is producing shit on this album and let me just tell you right now the last song on this album warrior is literally an imagine dragon song it might as well be an imagine dragon song because it has everything there to it that could make it like that even vocally almost sounds like the guy from the band and i'm just like why out of everything you could have like you know taken influences of why that band of all fucking things I don't know I don't they're get popular, it they're popular bro they're popular they're so heavy <laughs> Imagine Dragons <laughs> is fucking heavy bro dude Natural had the sickest breakdown ever you know <laughs> uh, not gonna lie like Lorna Shore <laughs> never Ooh. even heard of them <laughs> Dude, Imagine Dragons is the next technical death metal band that's going to take over the scene. Mark my words. Oh my god. Mm. But anyway, yeah, this album, no. A Train You Baptize, it's it's a 4 out of 10 for me. Like, no thanks. Uh, Sebastian? 
Yeah, um, not gonna lie, the title track was probably the second best Imagine Dragons song on this album. Um, it just, like, I don't know why it just it just came across that way, and I think his name is, like, Dan Reynolds, if I'm not mistaken, the lead singer Imagine. Um, because, like, fucking know. <laughs> because it's just, like, it's really just that raspy, like, arena rock sound that just is way too processed and that's like the biggest issue i've run in with this one too um yeah i i was gonna i was just gonna say as well like this has a lot to be left to be desired um there there were parts where i wish they could have kept going with it like the screams were pretty good uh I thought the unclean vocals were a lot better than what I've heard in some of their other past attempts. So I was pretty happy with that, but they didn't really do it too much. And when they did, it was like some of the worst lyricism and screaming I've heard in a while. Like it was like Christian rock screaming. And uh, yeah, like, I, and I'm not saying like under oath either. I'm, I'm saying like, um, I, I I don't even know many Christian metal bands. I always showed a couple, but yeah, it just it just like you know, lift yourself up, lift yourself up. Jesus loves you. You know, it's just like it's like what, like what's what's going on? Like I, ugh, just not a lot of substance here either. Um, and honestly, the last thing I'll talk about are the features because Nate pretty much nailed everything on the head there. Um. Matt Heffy's feature was pretty good. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I just throw... Uh, he's from Trivium, correct? Yeah, and I just wish he did, like, vocal performance. I didn't hear his voice. I think it was just guitar work he did. Yeah, it was just his guitar work, and I noticed that because he, he has a very, like... He has a very unmistakable gar- guitar, gu- uh, guitar tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, also, boys... We're back at it again with our fucking Travis Barker feature. Yes. (laughs) And, okay, Travis Barker, I'm going to say this one too many times, but the guy has been in everything lately. You know, it started with the whole, I wouldn't say started, but it really picked up around the time uh, Tickets to My Downfall by MGK came out. That was, like, the big, like, oh, cool, Travis Barker, he's doing another thing. And then he's on another album here. Then he's on BB Rexa. Then he's on another album. And then he's on this. And honestly, I don't think he's adding that much. You know, the guy is a good drummer. That's, you know, very, that's just, I mean, that's just, a fact at this point the guy's a good ass drummer but at the same time the beats that he's making for these people it it's just some of his most phoned in work and i'm happy the guy's out there still making money and still in the scene but he's not doing anything really prevalent you know uh the only thing i can really say in this song uh warriors that he was in I, was like kind of like the marching beat because that showed some of his like signature kind of like snare uh rumbling sound not, so not, i thought that also, was cool not to be confused with the actual song warriors by imagine dragons 
Not to be confused by that at all either. Um, is that an actual Imagine Dragons yes. song too? The, it's <laughs> actually popular. It's actually a known song called Warriors by Imagine Dragons. Like, what? What? God, I, I hate this. I, I'm throwing in a 5 out of 10. I just, I don't really have too much more to say. I mean, like, it's just, it, it's a turn that I never really expected for them to go because I've seen them in concert before and I, I didn't really think much of them. But yeah, this was definitely, this is definitely not the best showcase of like a full album for me, especially from a band I barely know. Right. Was that at a Sonic Temple that you saw them? No, I actually saw them when I went to Warp Tour uh, for oh. like the year Ailstorm was there. I only oh, went for okay. Ailstorm, but yeah, they were, they happened to be playing there too and I saw them for like a, like, I would say like about 20 some minutes and I was like, okay, I'm going to probably go get a hot dog now. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got from it. I hear you. Mm, big stretch. All right. Uh, anyway, moving along now, uh, cheap trick in another world. Sebastian, go ahead. <laughs> oh man. Did Mike love take over the beach boys again? <laughs> is this, is this what we're, is this what we're happening? Is this what's happening here? Like, is Brian Wilson just, like, too afraid to go on the plane? And now they're like, okay, we just, we're just just going to make another album without him. Uh, yeah, needless to say, this Cheap Trick album is probably the worst Beach Boys album I've ever heard. <laughs> um, it's... It, wow. For a band that talks about... And they come from, like, the 80s and 70s time where they were like known for being like raw and like you know just like a pretty fun rock band and i've even seen cheap trick in concert and it was one of the most boring shows i've ever seen <laughs> in my life and i've seen classical music live so yeah this is this is by far one of the most just worst attempts at trying to make a summer tastic fun beach album this is like this is something that isn't even worth being filler in somebody's beach tracks. This is just awful. Like, oh shit! Sorry, my cheap trick came on. <laughs> like oh, I my. mean, this sound isn't very cheap sounding, but I'm gonna tell you, it surely tricked me into thinking this was a band that made this. Boom. Um, yeah, this. You know, I'm okay with them making music still. You know, uh, like I said, the band still loves performing. They still like doing their thing. I'm not going to stop them. I mean, that's what they are. They're musicians. They're, they have to make music, you know, to keep going. But this is pretty fucking phoned in. I mean, like, this is pretty damn phoned in. Um, it just has nothing to offer. The percussion, speaking of percussion yet again, is it's so simple. It's so bad. Like, I, I was listening to it a little bit with BB, and BB was like, wow, I could probably play this on drums, and I've never touched a drumstick before. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is, like, this is even simpler than St. Anger with fucking Lars on drums. This is really fucking bad. Um, and it's also, on top of things, it's mixed, like, it, it's mixed like an 80s percussion mix. Like, I, it just... It's so bad. I, I I can't I can't express to you guys enough that this is just an album that is not worth any time to be spent. It's 
far from reliving their years of success. This is more like, like they just want to make a soundtrack to a Hallmark movie and maybe get put on someone's like beach playlist. Maybe. So I'm going to give this one a nice three out of 10. Uh, yeah, honestly, this is by far just one of the worst albums I've heard this year. Um, I'm giving this one just such a higher rating because honestly, it's not mixed horribly in all aspects. And I can tell like the vocals weren't the worst thing ever because the guys are like, you know, in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s and some members. So yeah, at least, at least the dads are still having fun after building their decks. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's yeah, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. Uh, not even any arguments with that one. Uh, can we talk about that? This is their 20th fucking album. Oh uh, yeah. They have a pretty wide discography. I, yeah. And I'm going to have to like disagree with you on the whole, like they just got to like make music and everything to like keep going. I mean, if your albums aren't even charting all that good anyway, like, just go on tour. Just go on those nostalgia tours. I mean, okay, albeit last year, duh, you couldn't. So, sure, why not? Let's write an album. But, oh my god, dude. Like, I don't think lyrically it was like this necessarily. But the vibes that I was just getting off this album was just this whole, like, 70 to 80-some-year-old guys. Oh, I'm sorry, 60 to 70-year-old some guys uh, trying to get with a woman who's uh, at the very least. Oh, I'm sorry, at the very most. Uh, wait, no. No, I was right the first time. At the very least. Sorry. <laughs> at the very least, 20 years old or 20 years younger than them. And, you know, it's just the whole, like, we go, gotta get the ladies kind of thing, you know. I don't know. That's just the vibe I was getting. And it was just not fun at all. And considering that these guys are, like, as old and are still going for whatever reason this hard, I, no, no, I, I can't. And, like, instrumentally, it's okay. You know, there's a couple cool guitar licks here and there. I was like, oh, look at that. That's cool. Um, I have never heard such a shitty fucking cover of Give Me Some Truth in my fucking life, though. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention that, Sebastian. But, like, wow. That was bad. That was a really bad cover. And, um... Honestly, I, I listened to the original one because for some reason I've never listened to the original. I heard a cover by Pearl Jam live that was actually really good, and I had never even heard the song. I'm like, well, okay, cool, that's a that's a good cover. And then I heard the original. The original's not even that good. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. The John Lennon no. song, it's not good. It's No, I don't care it's for it. It's not a song that I really think is like... It's not, it's not not coverable, but unless you make some big changes, it's definitely not an easy song to cover because it's just so bland. Shit, bland isn't even the beginning of it, dude. It's just, eh, you know, there's nothing to it. Um, I mean, other than the message, of course, but Cheap Trick covering this song was the most unnecessary thing that they had to do. 
you know, at that point. You had a 12-track album. You're fine. You passed the 40-minute mark, dude. You're good. You can stop writing now. <laughs> you can stop making music now. Oh, my God. I'm on the very similar boat as you, though. Uh, I gave it a 3 as well. It just... No. It was actually the worst album this week for me. Like, I could not bear it. I'm surprised I got through it all, but what are you going to do? But this uh, this hellhole of a week is almost over because we're on the last album. Zane, nobody is listening. Uh, Yeah, new album from Zane. It's an album. That's kind of it. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it was fine. It wasn't the best thing ever by any means. Uh, in fact, it was actually my, uh, in terms of this week, it was the second best album this week, which isn't saying much considering I didn't give it that good of a score. <laughs> but, I mean, the songs were just fine to listen to, you know? Like, there was nothing I really wanted to save. There was nothing that really stuck out to me. It was just, it was fine. It was fine listening to throughout. I really wasn't, like, dreading every second of the day, despite it being a guy who used to be in One Direction, you know? I mean, one might think, oh, you're going to hate this one, but no, it was fine. I could, I've heard worse. In fact, you know what? Harry Styles' album... Uh, I don't remember the fucking name of it at the moment, but, like, his actual album from, like, a couple years ago, that one was worse than this one, and that had Watermelon Sugar, which is, like, the only song I like of his. Zayn actually has an album that is actually endurable in its entirety, you know? Harry Styles's, it's like, okay, here's a song, here's two popular songs I made, and then here's, like, the worst fucking album ever, you know? It was not good by any means, so... Yeah, it's chill. It's fine. Uh, talking about Zane, and that's kind of it. There, once again, there's really not a lot to say about this album other than it was just fine to get through. So, with that, I give it a six out of ten, and just gonna leave it at that. Sebastian. So I have a little bit to say about this one. Um, so with Zane, out of all the Directioners to go solo, he's probably my second favorite. Um, because Niall produces some of the worst mixing and lyrics I think I've ever heard. Uh, you know, Harry, of course, he's a huge icon now, and I'm, I'm glad he broke out a little bit more. You know, he started off going with, like, a David Bowie kind of sound, or at least trying to, and then went with more of that, like, retro uh, kind of vibe that everyone's going with now. And honestly... I think it's pretty serviceable. And then you get to Zane. You know, Zane had a pretty rough start with Pillow Talk. I didn't really like that one as much. I feel like that one's a little bit too overblown. It just didn't really have much substance to it. And, like, honestly, it was just a little bit, like, too try-hardy for me in the vocal category. But this one, nobody is listening. Honestly, I was very, it was just a very big roller coaster the whole time. In the beginning, it was very existential. And he tried doing this whole, like, you know, spoken word rap kind of thing. And yeah, very basic, you know, just, uh, you know, talking about depression and stuff like that. You know, I, you know, that's cool. Whatever. It's just like, it didn't really have much to say in that category. Um, yeah, it just it went from there, and I was like, okay, I guess this is what we're going to be getting into. Then the very 
fucking next song, he goes with like this R&B ballad and it's like what is the tone? Are you going for existential vibes? Are you going for, you know, I love you, I ain't ever gonna stop loving you, you know, or tell me what you mean, you know, you're confusing me with your ways, woman. I'm fucking dumb, I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) And I've been hearing that so much lately, and it's like, you know, I get if you're having arguments with your spouse or your partner or whatever it may be, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to vent with music and stuff like that. Some of the best songs ever have been based off of that. You know, you got uh, Heard It's the Grapevine and many other R&B songs that were just like very hard hitting and then also kept that nice groove. So that way you can even play it and not really listen to it and you can still enjoy the rest of it without actually listening to the lyrics. Even songs like Hey Ya. You know, that song, as everyone knows, if you listen to it, watch Mojo Top 10 of, like, the most depressing lyrics and happy songs, which is, that's not even close to being, like, the most. Like, I love how they put that one on there. It's like, okay, guys just going through the top 10 at least. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, really, really uh, haphazardous in the tone category. It just goes back and forth between existential and then the aforementioned bitch boy kind of attitude. Um, I really dislike the percussion in Sweat. It sounds very hollow. It literally just sounds like you're playing into a hallway and you're recording from the end of said hallway instead of right by the drums. Uh, You know, the only thing I can really give this thing that's like pretty good is that it isn't long. You know, uh, it, it's not a very long album to get through, and I can see a lot of people liking this if you like One Direction and the and the members. You know, I, I get it if you're just into them and all that kind of stuff, but it's really just not worth much of my time, um, and I don't really think I could ever put this on in any sort of way and truthfully enjoy it. It's just, I, I think it just... Yeah, it's it's very wishy washy and just I I'm just not a big fan. Uh, I'm gonna leave this one out four out of ten to cap the week off. There you go. There you have it. That's been the week. Like I said, it was rough. It was a rough week, but we got through it. And uh, next week will most likely be much better. I can almost guarantee that, as we will be talking about uh, some solid new music that I can only hope. Uh, a certain somebody will be producing here. I'm not going to say names yet. Keep it a surprise, but you'll see. If you already know, you know, but we'll see. Uh, So, yeah, album recommendations. I already got one. I'm just going to say it out here. Uh, I might have said it before, but I'm going to say it again because it's a solid album. Uh, Wage Wars Blueprint, Metalcore album. Very solid. It's their only good album. <laughs> Everything else after that is mediocre to pretty bad. Uh, but Blueprints, their debut album, was actually super solid. It was actually, like, you know, one of the most enjoyable albums of that year in the metalcore spectrum. And, uh, yeah, there's really not a bad song on that album. Seriously, go check it out. That's all I got to say about that. Sebastian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, with, so with this, with uh, Album of the Week, I'm actually going to recommend a uh, bass album 
And this one is uh, Jacko Pistorius by the artist Jacko Pistorius. Um, this guy is a base virtuoso, to say the least. One of the most influential players that has ever existed on the base. Uh, sadly, tragically passed away very young and uh, didn't really get too much of a following until much later. But Jazz Cats, R&B Cats, all the cats definitely enjoy the work that he has put out. Um, I've showed some of my more music major friends that are, you know, devoting their life to <clears throat> more technical stuff in music. And whenever I show them this, they're like, holy shit, this is like insane. Because I know a lot of people that are into jazz and like older R&B they always get sick and tired of bass solos because they're all on the upright bass and it's usually very, um, just very repetitive throughout it. And I can see where that can be an issue. I still love it nonetheless and all that. But when it comes to Jacob Astorius, this guy is just so, so good. And the way he places each note is just so masterful. Um, I know I've said that before with other artists, but this guy is no exception. He plays a fretless jazz bass, and the way he incorporates the harmonics and the slides of the harmonics within are just insane. He'll go, he'll go from doing like a simple like boo doo boo doo doo doo, and then from there slide right into like a really fast like eighth note kind of uh chug i guess you not like chug like in rock and metal but just more just really fast notes coming at you at like a million miles an hour and then slow right down like the <clears throat> the craftiness of his work is just insane and i don't think there will ever be a bassist with as much feel to him uh, the only other one i would say is probably victor wooten but this guy is just insanely profound in his ability of playing bass. Uh, one of the one of the like most noticeable or notable tracks on here, of course, is Donna Lee, one of his most popular of all time. It's in his top five if you look up Jacko on Spotify. It's definitely one of the most one of the most uh, feely instrumental tracks I've ever listened to. Uh, it just, it's a really good love story that is not told with words. Let me just say, it is, it is just beautiful all throughout, and I could not recommend this album highly enough. Even if you aren't as much of a bass nerd as I am, I think you would still find enjoyment within this album. Good shit. All right. Well, there you have it. That's been the week. Sebastian, as always, thank you for joining. Yes. <laughs> no yee-yee? No, Trent's not here. I cannot I cannot give the yee-yee without my boy. That's fair. That's very fair. No yee-yees. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. This has been a Music Corner with 808, and we are signing off.